What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition, a jam-packed edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jake. We have a lot. I mean, this might be the most packed episode we've had and I don't know how long. Um, we have so much to get into. Uh, we'll talk about Joel Embiid and his injury and what that means for the Hawks. And Sixers matchup, we'll talk about uh, the Celtics and their surprising moves. We'll talk about the Clippers and Mavs, who still have a Game 7 in the only first-round series still going. Uh, we'll get into Bucks and Nets, which actually opens tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, game 1 of the second-round series. We'll also talk about Dame Lillard. And the Blazers, the Nuggets, moving on to the second round, even though I feel like the Blazers are probably the bigger story. We, you get it. Uh, we have a lot, a lot to get into. Um, but first, let's start off with maybe what's being talked about the most around the M- NBA world and basketball world right now. That is the Suns and Lakers, as the Suns defeated the Lakers in six games um, to advance to the second round, knocking out the defending champs. Like I just said, in six games, um, they defeated them in game six, 113 to 100. It felt like it was a it, that game, um, and I'll and I'll get into it with you, Jake, in a second. Um, I'll ask you your input. That game felt a lot, not as close as the score seems to be. Um, in the second half, it was pretty close, but by that time, the Suns in the first half really ran away with it. And every time the Lakers seemed they wanted to make a run in that game, the Suns kind of put a stop to it and made a basket or something to silence the crowd and. You know, stop the momentum the Lakers were having. Uh, Devin Booker had 47 and 11, uh, just a phenomenal performance. I say all of that to say, what is the bigger story uh, from this series? Is it the Suns' emergence, or is it the Lakers' downfall with Anthony Davis being injured? Uh, like Charles Barkley said, Anthony Street closed Davis, which I found funny. Um, and, you know, could this be the end of LeBron's magnificent runs he's had? You know, what what is the bigger story, or is it Devin Booker and the Suns? Yeah, uh, you know what? I like that, Ryan. I like the uh, the question. It's making me think a little bit. I was just gonna come out here and start talking about LeBron, and it made me think a little bit, though. Um, I think the bigger storyline is gonna be the Lakers and. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I mean, I've I've heard people go out on on a limb and really say that this team should just blow it all up. And I don't, I'm not sure if that's the smartest thing. Uh, but I mean, again, I think when you look at the overall scheme of things with the Los Angeles Lakers, it takes me back to something that we discussed heavily on this podcast when AD went out in February, and that's really key because he missed what two and a half games of this series. In which, in that, I don't have the numbers pulled up, but, I mean, you could look at it. I think they had it probably on the TV broadcast, and it's a very significant um, drop in their points per game and the runs that Phoenix was able to go on. I mean, they lost back-to-back games to close out this series, and those weren't even that close. I mean, the second half of game six was close, um, especially in that third quarter when they ramped up defensively with the on-ball pressure with Schroeder. Um, and whatnot, and they tried to make a run, but still, it, it by the time they were trying to close the gap, it was way too late. But really, when AD went out with the groin, uh, in um, in the like midway through that game four, I mean, that's really when that two and a half game stretch wasn't even close. I mean, they lost back to back games, and 
three straight, which is very rare in LeBron James's playoff career. And a LeBron James-led team where you don't see too much life from that team, like that's something that's pretty unheard of. And I understand he's 36, but for the first time, I really question uh, his career and the direction that it's heading because I think it's that could be the moment in which we've seen LeBron decline. Um, I really questioned it. I had really big concerns because you just don't see a guy like that uh, point up a finger to Frank Vogel and tell him to, to bring him out of the game with 7.30 left in the fourth quarter. Like, you just don't see that. And in the elimination game, winner go home, you don't see that. And like I said before, with uh, AD going out in February, you had two months. This is the thing with Frank Vogel. You had two months, lack of preparation to develop. And I'm not even mad. Like, I know you and – um. You and me, Ryan, talked about this off air. And, you know, Marcus saw like, he's a smart player. I mean, he's he's slowish on the defensive end. But I, I think it goes farther than just that. Like, I'm not mad at that. I'm mad at the fact that, like, Rob Palenka and them, like, they let guys like Dwight Howard go, JaVel McGee go, that were very critical in that run last year with the front court. And so not only do you not have the right personnel, but also you have Frank Vogel running the show, which he should put in a guy like Montrose Harrell that sparks some energy when you're – literally getting, like, pummeled by this Phoenix Suns team that doesn't have a lack of experience. That's something I talked about. They proved me dead wrong, and they proved me that, to me that they were the more deeper team in this series. I mean, they were really connecting on all cylinders, and it showed in this series a uh, Chris Paul that wasn't 100%, you know, probably averaged, like, close to 10 points and wasn't that much of a scoring threat, you know, because of that shoulder injury that he suffered in game one. But I mean, again, they were just overall the better team. The rotations, Monty Williams, you know, was firing all cylinders. And at the end of the day, the Phoenix Suns were the better team, and I was wrong. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much to unpack in this series. Um, To me, like, I agree with you. The Lakers are the bigger story here just because they are the Lakers. They're defending champs. Um, It's LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. I would like to highlight some of the Suns, and I guess I'll start off there. I just want to, because, I mean, Devin Booker, I'll say it if no one else has. I th- I'm guessing other people have said it. He's a superstar now, uh, or he's a star transcending into a superstar. I know he's only made one All-Star game, and me, we, this is something else we were talking about off-air, Jake, and I was telling, I was like, there's All-Stars, there's stars, and there's superstars, um, diff- meaning, you know, All-Stars kind of, yeah, they're in the All-Star game every once I Like Drew Holiday, for instance, he's an All-Star. You know, he'll make the All-Star game every now and then, and he's a he's a really good player. Stars are like, you know, they're making it every year um, and can have big impacts on their team. And then superstars are very, you know, few in this league. Kevin Durant, LeBron James, uh, James Harden, Giannis, you know, you get the idea. Um Devin Booker is is rising very fast. I mean, forty seven and eleven. Uh, he had thirty the game before. I mean, just magnificent numbers. DeAndre Ayton would have never known it was his first playoff series. Uh, I know Anthony Davis didn't play the last two and a half games, like you mentioned, but the first game totally dominated Anthony Davis on all aspects of the game. Uh, I know we, I think we covered it last episode. Um, and then Chris Paul, just the floor general, everything, and then. A couple other guys who people may not mention. Jay Crowder, uh, terrible to start the series. Game, <clears throat> excuse me, game six. It looked like you know he was the Jay Crowder that was in the in the bubble with the Miami Heat, just knocking down everything. Um, Cam- Cameron Payne, campaign was. You look at his stats; it might not impress you, 
um, or you look at his stats for game six might not impress you, but just his overall impact on the court, especially with Chris Paul throughout that series dealing with his shoulder injury, he was able to come in and, you know, take a load off uh, as much as he could of Chris Paul and, and really run that offense. Uh, he, he did so much for the series. He shot 42% from three, 41% from the field, averaged 12 point, 12 and a half points, a couple of rebounds and a couple of assists. To me, phenomenal. And, and I mean, they did all of this, the Suns, with Chris Paul only averaging nine, seven assists and three and a half rebounds, which is pretty amazing to me and shooting terrible from the field. Um, so, I mean, this Suns team, I, I'll say this, I think it's boomer bust from them from now on. I think they're either so high off this series win that they lose the next round um, or they, I think they could go all the way and even win it all. Uh, that's kind of where they are. Um how I see them right now going to the Lakers side of things <laughs> you know I, I I think if you listen to this podcast enough you get the my sense on LeBron and my my opinions on him I haven't said it directly uh flat out blunt but you probably get it if you've listened to enough as you know we do talk about LeBron a lot because most of the time his team is relevant and in the playoffs and so on and so forth um, he disappointed me this series a lot. Just and and I think you you really it it showed out this series more than ever. Just his effort, um, not getting back on defense certain plays. I think there was a there was a game play in game six where he thought he got fouled, was crying to the ref. The Suns went up the court, missed a three, got the offensive rebound, started the started their second you know their new life of possession, and he still wasn't even up the court. It wasn't until they're almost shooting again, for their second-chance opportunity that he finally got back on defense. Uh, that stuff, to me, I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. Why, you know, get back on D. You mentioned it, Jake. I didn't understand in that game, and maybe that was a Frank Vogel thing. Maybe it was both of theirs combined, why he's going out when they're down by 14 with five minutes left and uh, what ended up being their closeout game and, you know, their season-ending season, season ending game. That didn't make sense to me. That's definitely... Um, that's definitely not Frank Vogel because it's LeBron James. So, well, I'm, I'm being nice. That's a LeBron nice. thing. I'm I'm being nice and and spreading the blame. Um, I, I and you can say, well, that you know, why are you just blaming LeBron? I'm not. Um, I don't. Also, I don't think there's any excuses here. I don't. I don't want to hear. Oh, Anthony Davis was out. No, the the Suns team. I, I picked them to win in six. I know a lot of people didn't pick the Suns. I know you picked the Lakers in five, Jake. I don't know where you got that from. Even with Anthony Davis healthy. Um, and I'm not going to let that go. Trust me, I, I looked at the first-round series so far, and obviously the Clippers and uh, Mavericks still have a, uh, their Game 7, but I'm, you, I'm doing a lot better in my predictions than you are. Just point that out. Um, what else here? Andre Drummond, to me, was... Un- I mean, I said this from the beginning. They thought he was the next coming of Shaquille O'Neal. I don't know how. Um, just unplayable at times. I thought, and, and you mentioned, we, you just, you also, and I'm kind of going off your points here, just adding to it. Marcus Saul, I thought it was brilliant finally that they started him game six. I think too little, too late. I thought he, you know, brought a new level of spacing out on the floor, let LeBron drive. Obviously, when Anthony Davis was playing, he let AD drive and kind of unclog, unclogged the point, unlike Andre Drummond. But what I didn't get is playing guys like Montrose Harrell, who, didn't play that much throughout the series. Uh, Taylor Horn Tucker, um, Markeith Morris, stuff like that. That why all of a sudden in Game Six are you gonna, you know, uh, throw them into the rotation and not just throw them in lightly? You know, go all in with them. Why are you changing your whole rotation? 
you know, where their season's about to end and, you know, these guys are, who knows if they're even ready to play. Um, God, that, that's a lot. But I, I think you, I mean, I, I don't know. You tell me what this, this to me just seems like. I mean, I can, yeah, I can kind of expand on the Lakers stuff. Um, Cause my problem with Marcus all was that he was a DMP for like a lot of the season. Yes. When he did play, in these games, he was good. And, and yes, I get it. It could be just a personnel problem. So we'll leave it at that. Well, I wouldn't say for um, a lot of the season. I think, I think once they got Andre Drummond, he was a DMP. I think before yeah, that, he, he was getting yeah. good minutes. I think that, you know. And, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, if, you're, if your five is Andre Drummond or Marcus Saul, then there's, there's a gaping hole there in looking at who they lost. I mean, like, I and, don't know. The, you also, the thing is, like, they, they don't, they don't, well, they you don't also, have a guide to rely on next to Anthony Davis and once he got out like they used they like to play that small ball five with 80 that's what worked in like last year's playoffs but once he goes out you have such a heavily uh reliance on him that I mean there just wasn't much insurance and I think a lot of people really overlooked that I mean I might have even overlooked overlooked that along with their their backcourt like honestly like I, I thought Wesley Matthews should have started because I mean he was making more shots I think than any more three point shots than any of those those guys were all series long, and he's one of the better perimeter defenders in the league. So that's something you could have looked at as well. Um, but I think like Dennis Schroeder, like he he even de- declined a four year eighty four million dollar extension with the Lakers, and a guy that you bring on for Rajon Rondo, um, who was a key part in their playoff run last season. I just think there's like. There's it's it's bigger than just the on the court stuff like the off the court stuff with the coaching and the management like there were so many things that it's kind of like the Heat too I think they got too complacent with their finals run last year and then you know they they didn't they lost more pieces than the Heat did but I well, think like we look quick. at the Heat with their shooting and like they did nothing I mean Duncan was like the only guy that was that was consistent throughout the whole entire year from from a three point shooting aspect and then we got pummeled. In, in that book series. So it's kind of the same thing. Like the Lakers kind of got too complacent, thought they were too good. And then got, got smacked by a team that hadn't been in the playoffs in a decade. So. And to me, this also goes um, to the whole bubble, bubble fraud. I think the heat have really been, and this is not me sticking up for my team. I think this is in general. Cause you look, you look at the four teams that were finalists last year, conference finalists, the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Lakers, and the Heat. Celtics out in five in the first round. Heat swept. Lakers out in six. The Nuggets, we'll get into it, but obviously they advanced past the Blazers. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think that it has a lot to do th- these teams, basically, and a lot of people have said basically played two seasons in one over the past, what is it, 14 months or so. Um whatever it is, 14, 12, 14, 16 months, um, it, there was no rest for them. There was nothing, and it, not to make excuses, but I think it just validates more um, for these teams that that was also, I think, part of the issue with injuries and stuff. Um, but overall, I mean, it, I think the Lakers' performance disappointed me, and, and more so LeBron than anyone, because, and maybe this is father time finally catching up with him, but st- just the effort stuff. Also, game five, walking off the floor with five minutes left in the game. People can say, "Oh, you know, you're, but you know, why are you upset about this stuff?" Because it's just integrity of the game, stuff like that. That someone with 
being the face of the league. He's not, you know, a 15th man on the bench who just walks off the court and no one will notice. It's LeBron James. Um, on that note, <laughs> let's move on uh, to a more, I guess, positive note and something that I'm really excited for. The Nets and Bucks uh, start tonight, I believe, 7.30 on TNT um, in a matchup that I think a lot of people have been waiting for for a while now. Uh, the Nets with, obviously, their big three, uh, James Harden, Kyrie, and KD versus the Bucks, who are coming off a sweep of the Heat in a revenge series, um, and now take on the Bucks or take on the Nets, excuse me, and they have Drew Holiday, Giannis, and Chris Middleton going blank there. So much, I'm like on information overload. Um, Jake, let me ask you this uh, as we go into this series, and obviously we'll give our, fi- our uh, series predictions and all of that. Um, who is under more pressure in this series? Is it James Harden or Giannis Antetokounmpo? Oh, another good question. You see, I'm I'm thinking about this series, but you asked me that. Um, under more pressure, I don't want to like take a knock at Giannis because I know like you're gonna start being like, oh, you know, why are you being on Giannis all the time? Um, oh, that's true. You are on Giannis a lot, but I, I go for it. Go, you know, I uh, I might agree with you there. Hmm. 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 I wanna I wanna think about this real quick. I'll let you well, take that one first. Well, I'm trying yeah, to think. Well, I'm trying to think my I, points here. I, I'll say this. I, I think. I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's Giannis. Um, James Harden, the Nets. As much as people expect them to win, there's that built-in. Oh, they only played whatever it was nine games before the uh, playoffs. Obviously, they played Boston. Boston was, you know, a shell of themselves, and they got past them in five. You know, they. They were one Jason Tatum game away from sweeping them, basically, if Jason Tatum didn't have that 50-point game. Um, Giannis, I mean, this is make or break. You, you have the past two years, two years ago, obviously, lost to, in the Eastern Conference Finals versus Kawhi and the Raptors, a series that people thought they should have won and been in the finals last year in the bubble. They get dismantled by the Heat. I mean, there was no question. I mean, they just the Heat ran them off the floor. And finally this year, you know, he has pieces around him. Uh, you saw that in the first round. If Brent Forbes can play, like, the next coming of Ray Allen like he was in the first round, and that, you know, I think they have a good shot. But I think Giannis needs to take that level up because – and I don't think he'll have problems offensively in this series because the Nets are not a good defensive team, as noted. I mean, people have – that's been the whole knock on the Nets. Um, but I just think the overall series in general, can you get past them? And then if you can – it's still not enough because you need to get, I think for Giannis this year, it's, it's finals or bust and not, maybe not necessarily winning the whole thing, but getting to the finals and taking that step. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as my, my side goes here, I would say I would have to agree with you. Um, I think that, I think there is a case though for Harden because no, yeah, you're under, right. you're under, you're under, I mean, really big expectations. I mean, it's like the Clippers last year um, with with that whole entire Clippers-Lakers-Western Conference Finals, and we didn't end up getting it. We were one game short of getting it. Um, but looking at James Harden, I mean, you have a guy in which, I mean, they remain one of the best teams in the league when he was the only guy um, out of that big three. I um, mean, now you have the ball with your other two stars now playing and 
you've gotten what five games uh, with that Celtics series. You've gotten some fluidity in the offense, but now I think the biggest thing with James Harden is that the ball is going to be in your hands, and I think Drew Holiday should be on him um, as a guy that pressures the ball and one of the best in the NBA to do that. Uh, so you're under immense pressure to really get the offense flowing because, I mean, they – I don't even have to look at the numbers. They had the most isolations in that first-round series out of any first-round series. And they'll continue to probably have that that big number over anyone in the league. Um, but I think against the Bucks, you're gonna have to swing the ball around because uh, you know there's no way that uh, a defensive lineup of Drew Holiday or defensive trio of Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis that are I think should guard your big three. You're gonna have to rely on other guys, and you're gonna have to get the ball moving. That starts with James Harden. So taking care of the ball. Um, and making sure that that happens. As far as Giannis, I think it goes without saying. I mean, the guy, um, I, I think it goes farther than just Giannis. I think the guy we should point to even more is Mike Boonholzer, because if he loses this, loses this series, he's probably out of a job, um, most likely. I could see where in, in a world where maybe Milwaukee decides to keep him, but it's likely that he's probably gone. Um, and I say that just because I like to be um, – you know, just an optimistic guy. But at the end of the day, like, Giannis has to perform. Like, he has to come out, and the the Nets show no signs of even sticking DeAndre Jordan on the court in the first-round series. So you, you bet, uh, you know, you bet that up that they'll definitely not stick him in against Giannis, which he torched them, or he torched DeAndre Jordan um, in those games that they played leading up to the end of the season. But... Um, but yeah, it's, it's up to him to win the battle with KD. It's up to him to lead this team. Uh, and it's up to him to, to continue what they did to the Miami Heat in the first round. Like they have to get past the Nets. And if they're able to do that, uh, there might be, uh, another banner first one in a long time, uh, for Milwaukee at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I think, and to go deeper, maybe into James Harden, I think it's it's just like I said. I, I think the built-in excuse. I think that um, as much as James Harden has, you know, people thought he should probably maybe already have made the finals or won a ring. Um, you look the year Chris Paul got hurt, where they should maybe could have beat the Warriors, um, and who he's teamed up with in the past. I think. Just the more pressures on Giannis with everything that the Bucks have done for Giannis. Um, getting Drew Holiday, the addition of him. I mentioned, uh, obviously, Brent Forbes. I don't think many people would have thought of that big of an impact, but he has made Bobby Portis, um, Chris Middleton now coming in to the rising to the occasion. And, you know, basically it's it end of the game. He's the one taking the shots. And as you saw in game one versus the Heat, making those shots. Um, and basically, Giannis, you know, he can play a lot more off ball now, doesn't need to run the offense. Um, teams can't build that wall against him. Uh, Brooke Lopez, he has, who just, I mean, the, it seems like the dude just doesn't miss no matter where he is on the court. Um, yeah, so I, I think that it, it's Giannis. Um, I'll, do you want to go first with a series prediction? I'm still kind of debating who I want to pick and how long uh, it goes here. Yeah, I mean, we kind of already set our finals predictions. Um with our playoff preview. So I'm just kind of sticking to who I picked in that. So I'm going to take the Nets in seven. 
it's really hard to predict. And I think with the role that Milwaukee was on in this first round series, getting the sweep against a team in which, if you look at in terms of the on paper battle test, uh, was far superior than the Boston Celtics, in which the Nets took down in five. Um, and so everyone, everyone thought that series was going to seven. The Bucks handled them with ease. Um, and so at least in two of those games, I mean, manhandled them and then ran away with the, with the fourth game. Um, but I, I think that it's going to be an interesting series. I think it's tough because Milwaukee is great on both sides of the ball. Like they're elite on both. I mean, you just saw in this past series, like if you didn't think they were an elite offense, like when they get going, like it, with Drew Holiday at the, at the helm of all of it, uh, and Giannis being able to to get downhill, you have Bryn Forbes that can shoot lights out. They did lose uh, Dante DiVincenzo, which I think will make a big impact, like bigger than people really realize in this series. And it's another reason why I think um, the biggest X factors for uh, Brooklyn, I think number one has to be Joe Harris because you have three of Milwaukee's best defenders out there you don't have DiVincenzo. I think Joe Harris needs to be that guy to step up. Um, and that's assuming you have Drew, uh, Middleton, and, and Giannis on those uh, on the big three. Um, but Joe Harris needs to show up and show that he's a guy that's, um, that's worth the big bucks, that is one of the best shooters in the league, which he is. And he can be a distributor as well. You saw glimpses of that in the Celtics series in which they moved the ball around. He was able to find open guys. Um, and Blake Griffin as well, a uh, guy that has primarily shifted his um, game more towards a perimeter-oriented uh, one, and I think that he needs to be a big factor as well because there's going to be so much attention into these three guys, and I think it's rare where we see these guys, all three of them have a bad night, uh, and their offense is so much superior um, than the Bucks are, even though they're better uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, but like I said, those those other two guys, they got to be – great um and i think like that's going to be the deciding factor in this uh divincenzo plays a big role and i think my prediction um because that fourth guy is like super huge even though brooke lopez might be that other guy um but like i said i think joe harris is that guy like i i just feel like he's the x factor in this series so i'm gonna i'm gonna go bucks and seven but uh you can i mean it's you draw the line i mean 50 50 55 45 like it's it's super close yeah, Drew. I mean, I'm I'm still thinking about my prediction as you're talking up to right now. Um, God, it's tough because it's like both teams have their strengths, both teams have their weaknesses. Um, all that being said, I haven't been a big believer in the Nets uh, throughout the whole season, and that they can win it at least this season. For that reason, I'm going to go Bucks and seven. Um, this Bucks team, I listen. They played a terrible Miami Heat team. Um, yes, the Miami Heat were terrible, uh, but they just seem to have a different will this season, a different hunger, a different energy. P.J. Tucker, I forgot to mention, in the additions that they made, yeah, um, they made in a midseason addition, they got him. Um, That's a guy you can throw out um, in that starting lineup, probably. Um, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, no, it just um, I think they have a bunch of dogs on their team now, Milwaukee, and just the hunger the fight um even guys who weren't like i mentioned all these guys who weren't on the team in the past years they know what this team is up against and what um needs to be done i think coach Bootenholzer, i'm not a big fan of his as a coach i think he knows that you know 
unless he gets to the finals, his job probably, you know, he will not be back. You see already the coaching carousel starting to go. Uh, we'll get into that, you know, with some of the teams that we're going to talk about. But um, I'm going Bucks in seven. Uh, I'm, I don't know how confident, you know, it's, I, I'm not as confident as when I picked the Suns in six because I was very confident then. Um, but I'm going to go Bucks in seven like I picked them to do last round and they swept last round. So who knows? Maybe they sweep this round. I doubt it. But <laughs> I'm going to go Bucks in seven. Uh, any last um, things before we move on here to our next? topic yeah i would say this i would not be surprised if this series goes one of two ways i'm picking it to go the distance but, but i really do think like the bucks could maybe and this is maybe a hot take i think they could win it in maybe five or six like i honestly think that that would be the case because milwaukee Wait, could on, really on, come you you lost me here you picked the net milwaukee tonight. milwaukee could really no no no. i'm saying you i'm just pick, saying like it could really sides. go it could really go one or two it could really go one one of two ways, but I'm gonna I'm gonna make it go the distance, and I'm saying that's in seven. But I would not be surprised if Milwaukee comes out because they're such a great team on both sides of the ball. I mean, it happened with with the Heat. We thought that 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 was going seven, and look what happened there. Um, and of course, the Heat have had their their stuff all season. But um, I do think no matter what, I think Milwaukee comes out first two games um, and really shocks them. But I think. Listen, the Nets are going to be tested here. I think we're going to see a lot more motion in the offense. We're going to see a lot, a lot of different stuff um, because they can't just play isolation ball. Like it's not going to work out like that. They have to try things that Milwaukee is going to make them do um, and make them adjust to. So um, I, I would, I would put my money on it goes the distance, and that's why I picked Nets in seven. But I would not be shocked if Milwaukee goes out there and gives them an ass whooping. Like I would not be, I would not be shocked. I, you see, like in a, in a couple of segments, I have a similar take. I, I think we've discussed a kind of hot take, but different circumstances that it, there's di- whatever. I'm I'm just gonna let it go, and this is kind of again. If you've listened to this podcast enough, you kind of understand Jake by now. That sometimes it just doesn't really make sense. Um, let's move on to the last uh, series that still is going on in the first round: Clippers and Mavericks. Last night, um, probably an all-time performance by Kawhi Leonard, uh, sending. Um, sending it to Game 7 as Dallas was up 3-2 going in Dallas. Uh, no home team has won in this series. The road team is 6-0, first time ever in NBA history for that to happen. Um, so is that foreshadowing that maybe the Mavericks win Game 7 since they're going to be on the road? I don't know. Um, Kawhi put up 45 last night, really willing his team. I mean, I watched that game, and it was just... There was a point in the fourth quarter where... You were kind of waiting for Luca to really take it home. Uh, I remember I was watching and I said to myself, uh, when Luca went out in the fourth, I said, all the Mavs need to do is kind of win these two minutes and keep it close, even though they were winning, you know, not let this game r- get away from them. And I think they're good. And I think it was tied when Luca came back in with like 9 16 left in the game. And uh, obviously they couldn't get it done. Kawhi just all of a sudden in rhythm and just couldn't be stopped no matter who was on him. Um, I will. I guess I'll ask you this for this uh, topic. I, I'll just. Who is is the home team finally going to get a win? <laughs> I picked the Clippers to win it all. I, I just need them to get out of the first round. Yeah, I think. Um... Or, here's a two part question, and it'll, it'll make it a little better. Um, 
how big of a blow up will happen if the if the Clippers do not win Game Seven and they get taken out in surprising fashion again and in disappointing fashion again. Uh, so there's two parts to the to the question there. Kind of you're picking who's going to win the game and then what happens if the Clippers do not win. Well, the second part's easy. I mean, like all hell will break loose if they end up losing this this game. I mean, back-to-back game sevens from last year and this year, and, and this year is even worse. It's in the first round against a team that you planned to play, made the seedings what they were, and had your, um, you know, however you want to conduct the end of your season to face them. Like, I mean, looking back at it, they might have been a better uh, team, and in, in hindsight's always twenty twenty than the Los Angeles Lakers would have been as a matchup. Uh, looking back at what happened. Um, but I, I think I would say that um, in a series in which uh, the road team won six games in a row have never, has never happened before. So I would say that, um, and that, that's not the reason for me picking uh, the Clippers in seven, but I would say that the home team, uh, the LA Clippers won that, that game seven. I just think as if, Kawhi Leonard, the way he came out and the way he especially closed that game uh, was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it showed that a lot of people have been sleeping about him, especially in these in these types of moments, because you have last season in which, I mean, he didn't really show up like he didn't. So did uh, so did Paul George like he didn't show up as well. Um, And you look at these two guys and I wanted them to wake the hell up. And they did. Um, They answered the calling. They did what they were. Um, they were pretty much asked to do by by everyone watching is is you guys got to show up in these moments. So Kawhi Leonard definitely carried that team um, in that game and showed um, that he's you know that he's a superstar still in this league. Um, and especially in those moments, um, he had some ridiculous shots in which I mean when he gets in a groove, it's very hard to stop a guy like that, especially if you're able to let him get to those spots. In the mid-range area, from outside, he drained some, a couple in a row, uh, and he just had it rolling. So my money would be on the Clippers in Game 7. It would be way too much of a blow um, for them to lose that game. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a back-and-forth battle between him and Luka. Who's going to win the chess match between those two? Um, I'd like to see Dallas get more creative with what they throw at Kawhi. Um, Cause it's been super creative on the other side where, you know, um, where uh, uh, the Clippers have had to guard uh, Luca in, in the pick and rolls and, um, and Luca one-on-one and whatnot denying the ball. So um, I'd like to see more get thrown at Kawhi because yesterday, I mean, yeah, sh- sure. They, they put Finney Smith on him and Finney Smith's a great defender, but um, I think that at a certain point, when a when a superstar gets going like that, you have to kind of say, "All right, we got to double. All right, we got to like throw something different at him." Um, so I would bet that Kawhi has a, a very great performance, and that the Mavericks got to do something about it. So you're picking clips. Uh, clips. Um, God, this is a. Uh... So, I mean, like you said, the second part of my question, I mean, obviously, if, if the Clippers lose, I mean, I think everything will uh, go, I mean, just insane. But, but like, what do, they, what do they even do about that? I mean, they uh, they, tr- they have all their, their draft capital. I mean, it's with OKC. 
So yeah, it, well, they I can. Don't, I don't I, even know I guess what they can try to get it do. back. Um, yeah. regarding the first part of the question, I got it. Like you said earlier, with your last prediction, Nets and seven. I kind of have to pick the Clippers because they. Um, not only are they making the finals for me, they're winning it all. Um, I, uh, wow. Uh, oh, this is tough. Um, because I, I, I learned to like this Mavericks team more and more as I watched them. Tim Hardaway Jr., he's earning every million dollars, every penny that he's going to get paid this offseason, no matter if it's by the Mavericks. And I hope the Mavericks do pay him because he's a big part of that team. It's turning into the Tim Hardaway tra- uh, trade, not the Christoph Tim Hardaway trade. trade. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Luca, I mean, it's just at times, and, and this is uh, something else, you know, at times he looks like you just can't stop him. And at other times it's like, you know, he can't buy a bucket. Um, I think also they go to, I, I talked about this with the Knicks. And look where I got them. And, you know, I would say the same thing with the Mavs. Sometimes they kind of try to go to iso ball with Luka, and I don't know why. I know his step back is great. He can post up and do that fadeaway like Dirk. Um, I think more ball movement is better. That's just also how I just like basketball. Um, I think it's better offense when teams get ball movement, and I think it shows that, you know, historically and statistically. Um, But I I think for the Clippers, I think this is, you know – um, I think it was Jeff Van Gundy last night saying it on the on the call, saying basically if they can win this game, you know they'll have fought through adversity down three two, um, battle tested, you know uh, this could really propel them because after that to me they're the most talented team in the West as I picked in uh, in my pre playoff bracket um, to win the finals and I think that everything else I mean just everyone else is just not up to their level if they can play to the level that people expect them to. I think Paul George, um, people don't give him enough credit. I know every time he has a bad game in the playoffs, it's all over Twitter and everything, but how about you? I don't see it when he has a good game. He's had a pretty decent series. Um, Last night in game six, I think Reggie Jackson really carried them in the first half. I mean, I think he scored what? um, I don't know in the first half alone. I'm looking here now, but I mean, he really... Uh, let's see, first half, Reggie Jackson scored 15 points in 17 minutes. Uh, he had 14 first-quarter points and played all 12 minutes. Uh, they really relied on their starters last night. I wouldn't be surprised if they go back to it again. Paul George playing 45 minutes, Marcus Morris and Kawhi playing 41, and then Reggie Jackson and Nicholas Batum playing about 37 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go clips. I'm kind of keeping it short here. I know we have a lot more to discuss, and I don't want to – uh, miss anything else, but um, yeah, I'm going to go Clips mostly because I have them winning the finals, and I want to keep that still alive, but I, again, I it would not, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if the Mavs come out and not only take this game, but steamroll them as well. It's kind. I, I guess it kind of goes to, like, your last point where you said you picked the Nets and then said you wouldn't be surprised with the Bucks. Um, but but I, guess, I was dumb for that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you still are. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's move on um, to our next topic. Um, let's see here. The Celtics is next. And wow, what a turn of events the Celtics have taken. Um, we talked about it on this podcast, what could happen to the Celtics. Possible Danny Ainge gone, possible Brad Stevens gone. You know, what do they do after a team that seems like, you know, they should be, you know, they made the conference finals, I think, three of the last five years. 
Um, they've lost Kyrie. They lost Gordon Hayward, you know, Al Horford, but they still steamed, uh, even in the bubble last year, conference finals. And, you know, people are like, they're finally going to get to the finals. You know, they have Jason Tatum. They have Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown obviously uh, got injured at the end of the year, causing him to be out for the rest of the season. And what do they go out and do? Danny Ainge retires, and Brad Stevens says, I'm not going to coach anymore, but now I'm going to become the GM or president of basketball operations. And with that, I just turn the floor over to you. I have a lot to say on this, but I'm going to let you go first. Your thoughts, mister. Yeah. So when it initially broke the news, I kind of was not too surprised that Danny Ainge was gone. Um, He has had some health concerns in the past, and – I, you know, just thought as if it was his time to to move on based off of what I was reading the reports and whatnot. So um, that was kind of evident. As far as Brad Stevens, I did not expect that, though. Um, The only thing I can say, uh, and I'll let you kind of carry the load on this one, is that as far as Brad Stevens, you're going to have to see what ends up happening because this is... A guy that is never, I mean, I'm sure there's guys in that front office that can help the, help him, of course. But as far as the, uh, especially these decisions, like it, it really, I really wonder if, because this is a really important offseason for the Celtics. Uh, granted, you could always pull the, the COVID excuse. You can always uh, pull all those different things that any other team, all 30 teams could really say about their teams this season. But in reality, you have some pieces um, on deck this offseason with Kemba Walker with the injury history and his value at this point in his career uh, and if teams will, will be willing to, to buy on him uh, to lead as, as the point guard of their franchise. You have Marcus Smart where he's one of uh, the most highly regarded individuals in terms of like his play style, his leadership, his toughness, his grit. Um, seeing if a guy like that, you're going to be shopping him um, and trying to get another piece. Um, and he is a he is a part of a championship team, but throwing him in for uh, a third star potentially. Uh, you have the young guys too, which you and I. I was listening to uh, someone talk. I forget who it was, but he was just talking about how maybe Brad Stevens can get some sentimental value with these guys and maybe offer them a contract that, uh, especially these young players that they necessarily don't, uh, that everyone would really think of as an overpay. So like guys like Robert Williams, uh, Grant Williams, uh, Romeo Langford, uh, Neesmith, Pritchard, the rookies, like eventually when it comes time and, and we don't know how long he'll be in, which is why it's, um, it's concerning to just think about how he's going to do. And you could even think about it either as like concerning or optimistic, but um, one thing's for sure, you're not going to get rid of Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. I think they've already made that clear. It should be clear that that is the, um, the right direction. But Brad Stevens, for someone who hasn't had experience in this role, the only thing I'm confident with him is finding the right head coach. Um, and the coaching landscape right now, it's not really what it. Uh, it's not really idealistic um, because whoa, a lot whoa. of a lot of vacancies, but a lot of vacancies have been filled in the past year. Like you and me talked about it, like nine or ten head coaches, they've been filled. Do you? Um, do you, do you huh? uh, I'm going to cut you off here. Terry Stotts 
Steve Clifford just got released by the, or he mutually agreed by the yeah. Match. I mean, you there have. is like a hand, there is a handful, but like I'm saying, it's yeah, not like it was. It's not like it was damn well, near. Who, like, know, who knows who else what? is getting really, you know, who else, who knows who else will be on the move. I mean, I don't know what other coaches will be fired in the next, you know, couple weeks as the playoffs keep going. Um, I think that they need to hit a home run on that hire, no matter who it is. I think you look at assistant coaches in this league, uh, especially on the Clippers staff, Dan Craig, a great, phenomenal uh, assistant coach. Um, Chauncey Billups wouldn't be surprised if he gets looks. People keep saying Jawan Howard uh, for certain roles. I think Jawan Howard stays in college, but he's a phenomenal coach. Um, there's some really, really good uh, names out there that if. But you... how many? Well, how many of those would you bet that's that are going to be better than Brad Stevens? Though I mean, Brad Stevens led them the three I, I, Eastern Conference Finals in the past four years. I. I I've never been impressed with Brad Stevens. I know people. Yeah. Yes. I, hold on. Let me say this. He's a very good coach. Okay. But people were naming him basically the next Rick Popovich. Uh, I think there was even polls out a couple of years ago. Would you rather have a number one overall pick or Brad Stevens? People are taking Brad Stevens. Um, doesn't make sense to me now. All of a sudden, he's taken himself, or I don't know if the Celtics basically told him you're no longer going to be the head coach, and he they agreed that he'll move up in the ranks, which I don't understand. And I guess this is me getting into my point now, but I mean, this was kind of just surprising. Uh, I would have expected one, if not both to be gone. Um, I think the voice got stagnant in the locker room. I think players just didn't hear Brad Stevens anymore, which, uh, you know, after a while that happens. And especially when um, you just are not playing up to the level you should. I'm not sure how that aspect is improved at all with him just moving upstairs. Well, I I think that now when you're an executive, you don't have that same relationship with players as you are as a coach. When you're an executive, you're not with you're not communicating with a player on a day to day basis uh, where you basically, you know, you're you see your coach more than you see your own family at times. As an executive, you know, you you know, you learn how to keep your distance because you're the one who will, uh, you know, could release trade or what, you know, uh, not resign a guy. Um, so you I mean, to... some more than others. So um, I think that Brad Stevens needs to surround himself with the right people in that front office. If not, you know, I know there's probably some decent people. I, I don't know off the top of my head uh, other names in that Celtic front office, but I bet there are already, and he needs to surround himself with more Um I just think there's a lot of questions about this franchise moving forward. You have Jason Tatum, you have Jalen Brown, but what are you going to surround them with? Kemba Walker has not lived up to your expectation at all. Um, what you thought, uh, I mean, just a few years ago, you think at, at what that team had. They had what? was It, it was Marcus Morris. Was it Marcus or Markeith? Mar- I think it was Marcus. Um, you had Terry Rozier. I think you so. had You had Gordon Hayward. You had Kyrie. You had Gordon Hayward on top of Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Uh, Jason Al Horford. Al Horford, if I didn't already mention him. Um, a whole bunch of people, and it's just like now you're looking at that roster. The depth is not there. Um, I think there's a lot of work to be done with this roster, and then I think it also starts with who your head coach is and how he can, how much he can get out of you. Maybe this is what they needed. Um, I've never liked the Celtics, so I can't say I'm going to root for the Celtics. Uh, but again, a non-biased perspective, I hope, for the bet, you know, I hope this all works out for them. <laughs> um, but 
uh, yeah, I mean, they, it, it was just head-scratching. I think it was the first head-scratching move of the offseason. I know people had other takes on why Brad Stevens got the job. I'm not even going to get into it on this podcast because there's no reason to. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I think they just wanted to stay with from within. Um, and like I said, you know, like I just said, I think surrounding himself with the right people and they need to start with hiring the right head coach and go from there because I think that would be a big first step. Um, I think Terry Stotts would be a great hire. Um, like I mentioned, I think a lot of people will be looking at him um, now that he and it's kind of, uh, I guess we can kind of transition if you have nothing else. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would just say that these are important decisions, um, like I reiterated before, because um, I'm trying to think, like, do they even have any bad contracts, the Celtics? Like, I can't uh, even think. I mean, like, like Kemba's went healthy is a is – a, is a good um or even Kemba player to have, healthy, when Kemba went healthy doesn't even sometimes show up. Yeah, yeah, but I mean he's 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 a player like I'm I'm talking about like players like you don't necessarily want on your team that like Marcus Smart you want Tristan Thompson you want. Well, they also have a they have a lot. Like, of, I don't know. I don't know if they have like a bad contract that they can use. They they do have um. Because it's just a bunch of young players on the bench. They, they do have life. some key free agents coming up. Um, Evan Fournier, who they traded for. I don't know if they'll bring him I would him keep back. him. Would Marcus keep him. Smart has two years left on his deal. Uh, 14, 13 and 14. No, they really, I mean, Jason Tatum's contract is, uh, extension kicks in next season. Um, yeah, besides that, I mean, I think... You have a plethora of young oh, guys. Well, you, have, you, you do have Tristan Thompson at $9 million on the books for next year. I think that's a, that's a contract that they'll, you know, if I'm them, I'm looking to move. I don't know who will take that. Cause to me, Tristan Thompson's just not playable at times. Um, and then, you know, I just looked down this roster. It's like, you know, you're relying on your bench of Romeo Langford, Aaron Naismith, Grant Williams. I mean, all these assets that they decided to never trade. Um, that was one thing with Danny Ainge. You always heard after the fact, oh, we almost traded for Anthony Davis. We almost traded for Jimmy Butler. We almost traded for this guy. We almost traded for that guy, but they never pulled the trigger. And, you know, they hit really big on two of their draft picks that they got in, you know, where they robbed the Nets back many years ago. But besides that, I mean, you look and it's just like Peyton Pritchard, still rookie, but an old, you know, an older rookie coming into the league nowadays. He's at 23. Robert Williams, Semi Ojale, uh, Carson Edwards. Uh, uh, who else? Like I mentioned, Aaron Naismith, Romeo Langford, Grant Williams. Uh, all these guys are under like 23, 24 years old. Um, but they haven't shown anything to me to say, hey, you know, they're really, really good NBA players. Um, they're decent. But I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done with this team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I agree. Let's let's go on to Terry's thoughts, though. Yeah, let's move on to the Nuggets and Blazers series which the Nuggets won in six games. Um, game five was a game for the ages. Uh, what, I mean, I don't know if you watched that game live, Jake. I know those West Coast games can kill you sometimes. Um, or not, I'm not saying you specifically. I'm just saying in general, mm-hmm. especially when you live on the East Coast. Um, what a series. In that game five, Dane put up 55 uh, in a losing effort in double overtime. Nuggets taking that, and then obviously they took game six. Um, where they went on, I, I forget what the run was, but they went on a pretty big run after being down at, at halftime, um, outscoring uh, scoring 37 points in the third quarter and then 28 in the 
fourth quarter, outscoring the Trailblazers 28-14, to 14, uh, obviously, to win the game 126-115. Um, I will add, and let me add to that. God, I'm just not describing things well today. Um, I'll add to that. Obviously, since then, a lot has come out about the Trailblazers. Damian Lillard, his future in doubt. Um, will he ask for a trade? Will he be there anymore? Uh, you know, will they shake up the team? Will CJ McCollum be there next year? Um, before we get to the Nuggets, who obviously we'll get to, but um, and then the news coming out: Terry Stotts has—he's been fired or mutually agreed to part ways with the team, whatever you want to say. I will ask you this: Will Damian Lillard ever play another game in a Portland Trailblazers uniform? You see, I was going to say no, but. Uh, when that Terry Stotts news came out, uh, and that was something that, of course, was, um, uh, you know, because he, like, af- after the game, he posted on Instagram, like, a Nipsey quote. I don't know if you saw that, Ryan uh, Lillard. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. So, like, it's it's like, how long uh, do I stay dedicated for? Uh, you know, something about, like, opportunity and, uh, you know, it's kind of, like, I was like, damn, he's he might be running out of like the loyalty for Portland and might want to be prioritizing other things at this point in his career. That's where his mind might be at. Then I see that, I mean, Terry Stotts, it was a given that he was going to be gone. Then I see that he wants Jason Kidd to be the next coach. Um, and it was, I believe I'm, I'm thinking about Portland as well, where they wanted Chauncey Billups um, as another guy that was circling around in, in terms of names to replace Terry Stotts. Um, but in my opinion, I think that it's just best to, I don't know. It's, it's a tough, it's a very tough question to answer, but I, I would, I would venture to say that uh, I would say that it's not Damian Lillard's last time putting a trailblazers Jersey on, but it is, I would say CJ McCollum's last time because a lot of teams would really like a guy like CJ McCollum. I even think about like a team like the Mavericks that could use that guy as a secondary creator. Um, they do have Tim Hardaway Jr. there. Um, but CJ is a guy that will take it more off the bounce than Tim Hardaway Jr. And he's a more legit second uh, guy than Tim Hardaway. Don't, don't make a mistake. I'm not uh, knocking at uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. I got nothing but love. We had his dad on the pod. Uh, you know, great family and an even better, you know, basketball family. Um, but at, at the end of the day, like CJ McCollum, my point is, is that a lot of teams would like a guy like that. Um, and I like the idea that uh, Kenny brought up where you switch Norman Powell to the two and you go out and get yourself uh, legit either big or, I mean, you could even go and get a three, whatever you need to do. I think a three is probably uh, – more likely to happen because you have Nurkic sir I don't know Nurkic had a really tough series where he was fouling out I believe he was in foul trouble like four out of the six games like Jokic was just having his ways with him and then they really had nothing beyond that I mean you could put Canner in but he was kind of getting killed um even though you could use him more on the offensive rebounding glass where the Nuggets are out Aaron Gordon Jamichael Green and Jokic all at once in the lineup which that's a recipe for disaster on the, on the rebounding end. But, um, but yeah, in terms of your question, I think, cause I kind of went off track, but I would say that Damian Lillard does end up uh, staying. They get a new head coach. I don't think Jason Kidd's the right guy. Um, so that kind of scares me. Um, but I do think that 
they should try to retool, give it one last shot because Damian Lillard has always wanted to be there. And I do think it's a a relatively short window because the guy's already 30 and, um, and yeah, you can't, you can't really play around with time. You know, time is, is, uh, very much to be valued and, and you can't, especially with a a guy that's going to go down as an all time great. You can't really, uh, you can't really mess with that too much. I mean, the guy's going to have to win a championship at some point because he really deserves it. I mean, he is he is something special. So, yeah. Um, God, <laughs> I sometimes can't answer my own questions. Um, uh, I'll say no, just for the sake of of the argument Debate. here. I, I'll play devil's advocate, kind of, because um, I I kind of also truly believe. I don't know. Um, listen, D- Dame has been nothing but loyal to this Trailblazers uh, organization. I know him and the and the ownership group and the front office have a great relationship. I don't know if they're willing to take that risk of hiring who he wants as a head coach just for him in a season to turn around and say, hey, didn't work out, time for me to go. And they're stuck with a head coach who may not be that well, I know, uh, was it Chris Hames reporting that he, uh, Dame says he does want Jason Kidd, the Lakers assistant coach, current assistant coach, former um, Bucks coach and Brooklyn Nets coach um, as the Trailblazers' next head coach. It'll be interesting to see if they do do that. Um, we, we, interpreted, we interpreted it that way, right? And not that he wants to go to the Lakers? No, 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 no. I, not, you see, this is what people do. They start rumors. Because I, I saw people, I, I saw Instagram uh, no, no. crazy. So. You see that you must be on Lakers Twitter because that's probably the only people in the world that. No, it's on it's that. on Bleach Report, ESPN. Like it's 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 the main one. So with that being said, some of the teams being mentioned um, are the Knicks, the Clippers, the Heat, um, who could possibly be interested. I think you're going to hear the Knicks forever on this offseason just because coming off a. a outstanding year for their standards and them thinking they probably need a star and then to add some other pieces to really contend in the east um that wouldn't surprise me obviously the clippers do they blow up everything and you know they could trade paul george um and pair dame with Kawhi, or could they get all three of them together who knows the heat coming off a disappointing season you know pat riley's always hungry um i i just like going back to the head coaching thing do, do you put all the marbles in the middle of the table and or it's not even that's the question. It's like, do you really rely on a you know a coach for one player? And like I said, for him to just turn around maybe in a year and say, hey, I'm gone. You know, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and also, how much do they like Jason Kidd? How good of a coach is Jason Kidd as a head coach? As an assistant coach, I think he's a very good coach. As a, as a head coach, you know, you saw in Milwaukee, it didn't work out as well. But then again, Mike Boonehorzer hasn't worked out. I guess he, they've been better in the regular season, but playoff time, they haven't been any better. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I just don't, I, I think that at the end of the day that I think both sides sit down. I mean, Dame, by the time next season rolls around, he'll be 31 on opening night. Um, and I just don't see him playing another game in that Portland uniform. I think he will go down as one of the best trailblazer blazer players ever. His number zero will be retired in the rafters, um, once his career is said and done. I think game time moves elsewhere. Where that is, I don't know. I think as the summer rolls along and uh, we get into free agency and the draft, uh, I think that becomes more clear. But I, it'll be interesting. Um, 
I want to get in real quick to the Nuggets side of things um, as they move on to the second round and they won in six games. Um, this team without Jamal Murray, uh, Nikola Jokic, who seems any day now he'll be named the MVP, um, put up an amazing game six, 36, uh, eight rebounds, six assists. They go on now to play the Phoenix Suns. Um, do they have any shot in this uh, series versus the Suns? And after this, we'll quickly do a pick uh with all the – we'll recap our, all our picks for second round, and we'll post it like we did last time on Instagram. But do you, where do you see this series going? I guess we can start off here. I know we wanted to get to Philly and Atlanta, obviously Joel Embiid, but we'll get to that in one second. I guess we can go through our pick pickums here. Uh, Denver, uh, Suns, where do you, what prediction – Kind of keep it short here. Yeah. Um, I would say for this series, I feel confident saying Suns and Six because you can't discredit a team like the Denver Nuggets. Personally, I thought that the winner of Nuggets Blazers um, previously, then before this first round series uh, was completed, I thought that was going to be a walk in the park um, for this series for whoever won that Suns-Lakers, and clearly the Nuggets have, sh- have shown up. Uh, and by committee, with Jamal Murray being out, the the guards have really stepped up their game. Austin Rivers, uh, how do you say his name? Funko? Or I don't know how to say his name, but uh, Compazzo. Yeah. Yeah, Compazzo. Monte yeah. Morris is huge, one of the better backup guards in the league. I mean, he's... He has really shown that uh, he's very valuable in this league and, and really took over late in games for, for this Nugget team in that, um, in that Blazers series. Um, the key to me in, in this series is really going to be Jokic versus Aiden. I don't really have to go too much in depth. You saw the series that Aiden had against the Lakers. Um, and, again, he was able to pummel Anthony Davis in that first game and able to really sustain like a level of dominance throughout the whole entire series. So I think he's going to give Jokic a run for his money. Uh, I think Jokic is, is as skilled as they get down in the post and being able to run an offense like he does. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. I want to point out real quick, though, before I hand it over to you, uh, I think Michael Porter Jr., they like to target him early in games. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but it worked in game six, and he went off for like 20-plus in that first half. Didn't score any in the second, but he went off in the first. So you look to get him going early and to really, you know, hopefully take two games, and that's that's kind of what I predict. But I predict uh, Suns in six. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to... I'm going to go with you. I think Suns and Six, I think this is where the absence of Jamal Murray really uh, comes into effect. Uh, the guard play, um, that go-to score, even though I know uh, Michael Porter Jr. has done terrific. Uh, and who? Oh, Monte Morris has really stepped up in certain games. And then you have Jokic, obviously, always doing his thing. Austin Rivers has stepped up at certain times. I think you need that consistent score. Uh, you don't know if you're always going to get it. With that third guy, Michael Porter Jr. has kind of become that second guy while Jamal Murray has been out. Um, I'm going to go Suns and Six. Let's go now. Um, Atlanta. Well, let, 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 let's keep, let's go kind of in order here. Let, we, we talked about the 
the Dallas and uh, Clippers series. I guess you you can. We both picked the Clippers to win. If the Clippers do win, who do you see winning that series? And if the Clippers don't win and the Mavericks win, I guess you can give me a two part answer here. Who do you see uh, winning either of those series? In uh, how many games we're doing again? Yeah, yeah. Okay. If the yeah, I don't want to dive too deep into the analysis because. I mean, that's three different teams instead of two. But yeah. um, as far as if it's a Clippers or, sorry, Utah versus the Mavericks, I would say Utah in six. And if it's Clippers in Utah, I would say Clippers in seven. And that's That would be my predictions for both those series. Um, but it all comes down to, I believe it's, is it tomorrow night, that game? Or t- uh, tomorrow during the day, I think. Like Tomorrow during tomorrow. the day, yes. Yeah. Depending when you listen to this, yes. Um, I will go, huh. I'm going to go Clippers um, in six, I think, if uh, the Clippers do win this series. And if the Mavericks win, um, I'm going to go upset. And I think the Mavericks uh, continue their role, and they're going to go Mavs in seven. Uh, why I picked that, I don't know. Uh, I think it's kind of because I believe the Clippers are going to win. But um, this Jazz team, they're really good. I think they showed that uh, in the in the last series versus the Grizzlies, even though it wasn't that big of a test. But they are um, really, really good. I just think that, you know what? I'm I'm switching it up. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna go oh, uh, Utah Utah and seven, Utah and six, Utah and six. I'm I'm really indecisive. Um, Oh, okay. that, that's yeah. tough. That that Utah uh, Mavericks series that that would be a real tough one to pick for me. Yeah, I'm gonna go Utah in six. Uh, we're moving along here. We already picked the Brooklyn series and uh, Milwaukee. You said just repeat your prediction one more time. Nets and seven. Nets and seven. Nets and, and I, seven. And I said Bucks in six. No, Bucks in seven. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I'm gonna go Bucks and seven. Yeah, Bucks and seven, and then what well, we also want to discuss real quick: um, Philly, Atlanta. Obviously, Atlanta. We didn't even talk about the Knicks and uh, Atlanta winning four-one. Trey Young has become one of my favorite players in the NBA because of his trash talking and his moments in the Garden. Um, they take on Philadelphia. Uh, Philly. Joel Embiid is questionable for Game One right now. He has a torn, and I want to get this right. A small meniscus tear um which i think is huge uh without him i i don't know how good this philly team is and i'll go first here because i have a hot take here um if joel Embiid plays less than a game in this series hawks and five you can book it go to your local betty uh whoever your bookie is uh wherever you gamble you can put that in um otherwise i will go Sixers and six for this series. So uh, a kind of a caveat there. If Joel Embiid does not play, I'm going Hawks and five. Otherwise, Sixers and six. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that you're not actually that crazy for that take. Um, but I w- I wouldn't agree in the games. I would agree with the Hawks winning if Embiid doesn't play that much. Um, so if he misses like whatever it is, one to two. Like, I, I don't really know the, the timetable because, like, it says day-to-day, but in the playoffs, like, 
or how that like translates to maybe what it would be in a regular season, like like seven to eight weeks or whatever. Like that's what they listed in the playoffs. So like I don't know what he's exactly going to to miss because it's a slightly torn meniscus. Um, but I would just say that Atlanta's criminally underrated. Like they're like Clint Capella is one of the best rim protectors in the league, if not, I would say one of the best. Yeah. Um, John Collins got into foul trouble. If Embiid's not playing, like that's huge for Collins because he's not going to have to. You would you would assume that Clint Capella is on Embiid, but even like switches or whatever it may have been, he's not going to have to deal with Embiid. So like for him to like not deal with foul trouble like he did with the Knicks, that's going to be huge for him. Um, that front court is good. Their their back court is I think phenomenal. Like Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Herder. Uh, even having Hunter at that three, super big for them. So I'm going to go Hawks in seven if Embiid is not, you know, back to uh, or not not playing that much, um, like one to two games, whatever it is. Um, and then if he is healthy, I'll take Philly in six. So I'll agree with you there. But six yeah, I hate, I hate how we have to do that. Uh, the asterisk. Yeah. Um, yeah, even though we really don't need to do it, but I just I, I heard I heard Shaq say the other night and send NBA in it. As I thought about it more, I'm like, wow, this really does make more sense. Um, um, uh, one last thing that I wanted to cover um, that we just I, to do a whole topic on. Uh, I think this podcast is already going long. Uh, coach K, congrats to him. Um, head basketball coach at Duke, if you don't know who he is. I mean, I'm guessing if you know basketball, you know him. Announced he will be retiring after the upcoming basketball season. Um, and they have a coach-in-waiting, an assistant coach, I forget his name, that will take over. Um, but John Shar. There you go. Um, but congrats to him, a living basketball legend. Uh, has coached, He'll coach Team USA, I believe. No, no, no. No, he won't. Uh, he did coach Team USA in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, won gold medals. I think he coached the Redeem team. 2008, 2012, so um, an outstanding, maybe arguably the best college basketball coach of all time, uh, maybe in all the best basketball coach of all time, definitely in that conversation, um, has won many national championships, and just shout out to him. If there's any last remarks, Jake, you want to say about him uh, and his career, and then you can tell everyone where they can get our social media like you do on every episode, and uh, we'll be done here. Yeah, congrats to Coach K. A phenomenal career, 41 seasons, if my math does me right. Uh, and that's over four decades, just extremely an incredible career uh, that he left, not only in college basketball, but the basketball landscape in every level. Um, he really, truly dominated and, and really uh, you know, cultivated the, uh, the basketball world. Um, and so... Congrats to him. I mean, his his interview and his uh, or his press conference was very touching. Talked about opportunity. I watched it live, so uh, I kind of know the uh, ins and outs of just his career and like where he started and uh, really how he got to the top and the the numerous people that helped him out. So, congrats to Coach K. As far as our um, our podcast goes, uh, check us out on. Instagram at underscore on the league underscore. And then we have our TikTok at ATL podcast. Uh, also remember to check us out. We're on all three streaming platforms, Spotify, Spotify. Wow. 
uh, Apple Pods and the Anchor app. Make sure you guys check us out. Uh, let us know uh, how we did, what else you guys want to see, etc. So it's going to do it. Peace out, guys. Peace.